Hello and welcome to another and final of the year episode of the Leaders Sport Business Podcast. My name is James Emmett. I'm the editorial director here at Leaders and with me, as ever, is my great good colleague and content director here at Leaders, David Cushnan. David, is that the appropriate level of respect to be paying you this time? The perfect level of respect, James. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be with you once again. Great. David, not too long until you turn 40. How are you feeling? <laughs> yes, it's it's coming soon, isn't it? Maybe there's a... a well, well, we'll do a couple of podcasts in January before that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, how are you doing, David? Winding down, I guess, for a break, taking a few days over Christmas? Yes, I should be taking a few days, being the end of a, a long and busy year slash campaign here at uh, at Leaders Towers, just yeah. wrapping a few things up and, you know, trying to get on the front foot for 2024. Mm-hmm. Is that it? You, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. you. Yeah, same, same. Um, we're just doing our final newsletter of the year, actually hoping to tie that up at the end of the day and send it out, hopefully to coincide with the release of this podcast. We've got a few interesting bits and pieces coming early New Year, potentially a very exciting collaboration in the Far East, dot, 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 TBC. Um, an exciting report on um, creative partnerships and an all-new editorial calendar. Crikey! Things are going to be busy, aren't they? Wow, there's a lot on, and it's almost as if you're saying that because we've got the boss coming in in a few minutes' time. Uh, oh, really? Yes, <laughs> yes. You uh, haven't you been working hard, James? Laura McQueen's coming in. A sh- well, um, I um, had Laura in the Secret Santa this year. Yes. Don't tell her. Uh, no, no, because I don't think the present went down too well. So, oh, yeah. Oh, what did you? What did you get? Well, I just sort of I bought it and I um, did it on a sort of online account, and I know it's been returned. (laughs) (laughs) No, not true. I don't know. I don't know that. Hopefully, she enjoyed it. Let's see. I probably won't ask her. Anyway, should we do our topical news roundup? Let's do it. You turn around this way, I'll turn around that way, and together we'll have the full 360 covered. This is 180 seconds of sports biz. And the year may be drawing to an end, but deals are still being negotiated and completed across the football world. Washington Spirit and Olympic Lyonnais Feminin owner Michelle Kang has acquired the London City Lionesses, the only team in the top two tiers of women's football in England not to be affiliated with a men's club. Meanwhile, high-flying Aston Villa's parent company has sold a minority stake to Atyros and Las Vegas Golden Knights and AFC Bournemouth owner Bill Foley is in talks to buy Scottish club Hibernian. The NFL is heading to Brazil next season with the regular season games to be played in Sao Paulo. Teams and dates still to be decided but the league's owners have also agreed to increase the number of international games per season from four to as many as eight in 2025. Matt Wilson and the sports consultancy supported the NFL's international office on the process that will bring in Corinthians Arena as the league's newest host venue. Ari Emanuel's next move is into chess. Endeavour has taken a minority stake in chess.com. It will also advise the online chess giant on its future media rights, marketing, licensing and events initiatives. Clubs in the top two tiers of German football have narrowly decided by a single vote to allow the DFL to proceed with negotiations over private equity investment. A potential deal is in the works involving the sale of between 6 and 8% of shares in the Bundesliga's TV and marketing rights over 20 years, with a new marketing and media company set to be established. That deal being negotiated by Bundesliga co-CEOs Stefan Merkel and Mark Lentz could be worth between 800 million euros and 1 billion euros, with several private equity firms said to be in talks. 
As it dips a few more toes into the live sports waters, Netflix has published the largest set of viewership data in its history. In what will be a twice yearly release, the streaming giant has made available the number of viewing hours of 18,000 shows. For January to June, the best performing sports show was the latest season of Drive to Survive, ranking 115th on the list, with just over 90 million hours viewed. By comparison, number one on the list was season one of Night Agent, with 812 million viewing hours. Also in measurement news this week, online phenomenon Mr. Beast, aka Jimmy Donaldson, launched the beta version of his new YouTube analytics service, ViewStats. And Washington Wizards and Capitals owner Ted Leonsis has announced plans to relocate both teams to a $2 billion Virginia venue in 2028. While the new venue will be just four miles away from the team's current Capital One Arena home, and the proposal has plenty of political hurdles to navigate, there's already been an angry reaction from DC residents. Leonsis is planning to build monumental sports and entertainment into what he calls the world's most valuable regional sports and entertainment company with a 10 to 15 billion dollar valuation and possible IP. IP what? IPO. <laughs> that was 180 seconds of sports biz. Yes, that was 180 seconds of sports biz, wasn't it, David? We yes. got there. We got there in the end. Yes, it was. Slight frog in the throat. Yes. Yeah. Uh, on the O of IPO, um, we're joined by Laura McQueen, the managing director of Leaders and the direct line manager of both you and me. That's right, David. Correct. <laughs> Hello, Laura. <laughs> can, can I'm not sure you two are people that can be line managed in inverted commas. Right. Okay. Um, well, it's review season, so that's all ammo for the review. Um, one one question: Is it actually 180 seconds? I tried to time it last time I was listening. Was it 183 last time? Okay, you are timing it then. Yeah, yeah, we time it. Oh, okay. So, it's yeah. not just thrown together. This. <laughs> I yeah. was trying to work out if it was a legit 180 seconds. Yeah, David had a frog in his throat just now, so I think we went slightly over again. But um, okay, give or take, give or take five seconds. We're just about there. Yeah, I think. Every, every time. Any of those that we want to unpack, David? Any of those stand out to you that you think? Oh, let's go into that. Let's double click on that. A lot of interesting stuff happening, actually, uh, towards the end of the year. I think somebody to keep an eye on, and we're going to uh, maybe talk about a few more of those, is uh, Michelle Kang, who has uh, just is making good on the multi-club model idea in women's football. Do you know what? I've seen the pictures of her with the London City Lionesses, and she's got a touch of the Mohammed Al-Fayeds about her, I think, in terms of how she comports herself the poise that she has and the kind of uh she doesn't quite seem in the right place you know uh, surrounded by football players if that makes sense well yeah sort of mm. um she uh is going to be surrounded by a lot more football players yes. uh very soon washington spirit owner olympic leonese a feminine owner and now the london city lionesses and uh it that's the it's the first real test of this multi-club model multi-club ownership model that we've seen in the women's game lots of people talking about it at the moment she's the only one really doing it yes and i think london city lionesses are really interesting for the reason that you outlined in the 180 seconds as the only team in that top two tiers of um women's football in england not affiliated to a men's club really interesting when you consider Mm. the the new code that's been set up um to sort of ring fence those top two leagues and 
a club with a lot of potential, a lot of work to do, yeah. um, you know, very limited sort of infrastructure at the moment, only I think founded in 2019. So very, very new, a real startup, but plenty of potential. But a great market for it to be in. And, you know, that's the difficulty, isn't it? That's the difficulty that Victoire Reynal and Mercury 13 were finding in terms of investing into a women's team. You couldn't just do the women's team. Well, with Lewis, you can't. With Lewis, you couldn't know which is no, the one that yeah. they, which is the one yeah. that they were looking at. But, uh, but that was interesting that they how it all turned out. I was having a really interesting conversation with um, Joe Osborne at Sky last week um, about women's football and what's required because there's a lot of hype, isn't there? There's a lot of there is a lot of talk about opportunity for commercial growth in women's football. But we were basically saying she she made a really interesting point that there's no single broadcast deal or single sponsorship deal or you know single big figure that is going to suddenly revolutionize women's football it needs everyone to up the investment a little bit to kind of raise the value generally of the entire ecosystem um and i just thought that was really interesting because i do sort of feel people are waiting for like one major sponsor to throw a big deal at it or one major broadcaster to throw a big deal at it so i thought that was an interesting perspective absolutely and maybe 2024 is the year when the hype becomes reality for women's football to a certain extent we obviously spoke to uh, carolyn tish blodgett uh last week on the podcast who has an interesting perspective as a new owner in the nwsl um, but there's, yes, there's clearly a lot happening in a lot of different ways there. Uh, but yeah, the hype. Maybe the other way around, to be honest. More I mean, hype. No, well, too much hype and burnout and disappointment. Sorry to bring a downer to it. But, the hype uh, cycle. The hype The hype cycle, yeah. yeah. Uh, because I mean, Nick Howard was telling us off the record. I mean, someone was telling us. You're on the record. <laughs> <laughs> someone within the industry was telling us. Good editorial um, integrity. Yeah, I don't think this someone will mind that much. Um, but something that he is predicting for 2024 is... Uh, a dip in the hype cycle in that there is so much positive momentum and enthusiasm and encouragement for women's sport that expectations are also really high. Mm. And as Joe Osborne was obviously telling you, it's not going to take one sort of silver bullet to suddenly catapult women's sport to a completely different level. It's you know, it's a just lot, solid, lot, grinding, yeah. consistent work from lots of people. But expectations are so high and this person... <laughs> who will now remain nameless, Nick Coward, was saying um, that our expectations for women's sport, especially here in the UK, are the same expectations that we have of sports organisations that have been going for about 100 years. Uh, and they simply will not come to fruition next year. And that will inevitably lead to some people who are disappointed and will say, oh, women's sport is not all it, it was cracked up to be. Yeah. Also, to that point, just to round off, the, the, the expectation that someone's going to invest a big number for the sake of a one-year, two-year, three-year investment deal, really, it's going to it's got to be, have to be 10, 15 years where people are going to see an ROI. So, yeah, I do I do feel, I think, um be interesting one to watch next year. Talking of these long-term horizons, something that I think we should go into a little bit is this news that, um, the, the DFL, uh, the Deutsche Fußball League and the um, clubs in the top two divisions there have voted very narrowly to accept <clears throat> this proposition to try to go out and get um, private investment uh, to sell a stake in a commercial vehicle. It's a move that 
Um, La Liga has already done, that Ligue 1 has already done. Syria, I know we're talking about it as well. It's interesting in Germany because they've got such a solid grounding in a kind of fan-owned model. They've got the 50-plus-1% rule. This is clearly a a venture into a, a much more kind of financial oriented kind of structure for a a sporting organization. The numbers are interesting, I think. Um, So La Liga, who did this in 2021, had a bit of will they, won't they when they were doing it. Um, But they ultimately sold a 10% stake in their media rights and commercial entity um, for 2.7 billion euros. Ligue 1 followed a year later. So last year, they sold 13% in a similar vehicle for 1.5 billion euros. So this proposition is for slightly less money, it seems, but also for a slightly smaller stake. Both of those previous two, it's worth saying, both long term, I don't think the deal term um, was made public, but they're both long-term horizons, I would say, at least 20 years, which is what the Bundesliga's one is being talked about as, both to CVC as well. And CVC is one of the private equity firms being mentioned alongside um, the likes of Blackstone and several others in the hunt for this DFL stake. It is the direction of travel for almost all major football leagues, it seems, except the Premier League. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that if you look at what the if you look at the nature of the vote and it was one vote, there's gonna have to be an element of disagree and commit now to this project because clearly there were very strong opinions on both sides. A lot of those opinions um of club officials that translate into votes obviously were informed by fan displeasure at the prospect of uh, sort of increased uh, financial institutional involvement in football in Germany for all the reasons that you talked about. Big picture, this isn't really about the chase to match or beat the Premier League anymore. This is about keeping pace with all the leagues you just mentioned, James, the the other major European leagues, what was once known as the Big Five, but probably also to keep pace with Major League Soccer and, you know, whatever the Saudi Pro League is going to do. So uh, I think where once uh, the Bundesliga and La Liga and Syria had ambitions to catch up with the Premier League, I think that horse has very much bolted already. Yeah, it's interesting that CVC are sort of quietly amassing these really significant stakes and really significant businesses that haven't really existed in the past. And they've done a similar thing in rugby. Uh, Maybe we'll get onto this in the next section of the podcast, but clearly something's brewing in football as well. And it doesn't take sort of too much to join the dots and see that potential for really quite seismic change with CVC at the epicenter of it is is there. It's just around the corner. Um, so watch this space. Obviously, you know, I'll just be proven wrong in March, I think, when the decision gets made and CVC are nowhere to be seen. Uh, but yeah, watch this space. Very interesting things brewing in football and in the Bundesliga in particular. Should we move on to the next section of the podcast? Yes. Yes. 
Uh, unanimous. Uh, so this is a section that I think we're going to call Absolutely Not the Real Leaders Awards, where we'll look back on another fantastic year across the sports industry, a little bit of navel gazing as well in terms of what we've done here at Leaders, and hand out some some gongs. Should we hand out some gongs? Are they real gongs? Uh, well, you tell you tell me, Laura. <laughs> like, um, Where's the budget going from? I've Where's... got a feeling they aren't. No, no, no. But plaudits and kudos are the best awards that you can hope for in life i guess mm. what, smiles what's the first category shall we go with best venue yes. okay okay david have you been to any venues this year personal experience or wider industry reflection you choose i'm going to give you two okay i'm going to give you one of each um one in person um i think it was april was it april yeah. Uh, the World Snooker Championships. James, you and I were invited to Sheffield, to the Crucible Theatre, uh, a venue I have seen many times on TV and in fact walked past, but never been inside for the snooker. And everything they say is true about it being a sort of claustrophobic, dusty old atmosphere, but what an atmosphere. Um, just a fabulous afternoon uh, watching some top-notch snooker, a very interesting sort of demographic in the crowd, an older demographic. Do you know what? We were on the train up, though. It definitely is an older demographic. But David and I, well, it's a sporting event that goes on throughout the day during the week. So um, only really people... It's a certain sort of demographic that has the time that, yeah. to, you know, um, to be able to do that uh, just in the middle of a random April. But we were on the train up from London with what I'm going to call the the, snoo- the snooker ultras. You know, it's a group of lads drinking. Uh, were they drinking beers on the train? What time? I must have been. <laughs> oh, it was. It was. Yeah, yeah, it was <laughs> Can you believe pre, it? Pre midday. <laughs> Drinks in the morning, and they were, you know, gearing up for a big day of sport. But I saw them then in the arena, very quietly and attentively tuned into their radios, watching. Yeah, um, absolutely I, no rowdiness at all. I loved it. What a venue! Second one, um, a venue I only saw on TV, but I think an event I enjoy pretty much as much as any other. This year was the World Athletics Championship. In, oh, you watched them, did you? I did, and I really enjoyed it in Budapest at the thirty-six thousand seater, uh, all new, purpose-built um, National Athletics Stadium in Budapest, and fabulous venue. Great to see a big crowd watching athletics again after obviously a couple of uh, Olympic Games that have been either at difficult time zones or uh, without crowds entirely, and also a couple of editions of the World Championships not held in front of large crowds, Doha 2019, for example, and then Eugene uh, last year. But uh, it was, yeah, it was top viewing and a great, it looked a great venue. And Budapest, I think, is going to be on my unofficial list of cities to keep an eye on over the next year or so right. in terms of uh, hosting other other events. Your unofficial list of cities to keep in yeah. mind. Yeah. Been Thank there. I've never been. Is <laughs> I've it... been to the Hungara Ring there. Oh, yeah. It's great. To... It's a great venue. What's your favourite bit of Budapest? Is it Buda or Pest? Good question. Pest. There you go. Yeah. Worth a visit. Um, what's your best venue of the year, Laura? Um, well, shall I go for the, I guess, leaders venue? Sure. I think Chelsea Industrial in New York. Um I just find venues where it's essentially a blank canvas, an empty box when you walk in and then seeing that transform into an actual event venue in our case, um, I guess a, a conference venue in its purest sense. But I, I did think location wise, it's perfect. Soho, New York, it's a nice, it's a 
beautifully clean white space that you can just dress how you want to dress. So for us as a team, I guess it was an exciting project to see that venue flip around and then become um, quite a fancy little stage we had there as well in terms of like the catwalk and the immersive experience, if you like, for Force in New York. So yeah, that would be my pick of the pick of the year for leaders venues. Yeah, it was a fun venue. And in fact, before we got there, I had seen some promotional pictures and it was dressed for a wedding. It does all sorts. Yeah. Absolutely all sorts. So, you know, maybe an option for next they do, year. I think they do weddings at Twickenham, don't they? Imagine getting married at Twickenham. <laughs> Someone genuinely suggested I get married at Twickenham. Um, was, it your, was it your husband? <laughs> no, it wasn't. But I, do, I did sort of think, I think that was a genuine suggestion. Yeah. So that was, that was a no. Because you'd probably get a discount. Or... Indeed, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't say. Um, James, what was yours? Uh, music venue for me, um, Drum Sheds, which I went to the other day. This is a gigantic it's a super club basically uh Where? it's in north london in tottenham it's the old ikea so big sort of warehouse or series of warehouses in tottenham kind of in the middle of nowhere in north london that have been transformed into this massive music venue Fifteen thousand people three different kind of stage areas it's absolutely gigantic but the um, and it's a fantastic place as long as it is full and busy, I'd imagine. Um, but I think the model behind it, behind it is really interesting. Mm. It's a company called Broadwick um, that have that have created this venue, transformed the IKEA into this music venue, and now program it and market it. Um, but they do a similar thing. They're about the company behind Printworks, which is another iconic venue in London, and they've got manifold others across the country. I think it's interesting because they seem to specialise in temporary event venues. They're only ever meant to be temporary, and they get special licences for them to be temporary. And the business plan is that some of them become iconic and then secure funding from elsewhere to continue as venues, as Printworks has. Uh, and I think that that is potentially in a more sustainable era for events of all stripes, a model that sports events holders might like to look at. This idea of starting a temporary venue in facilities that already kind of exist and just sort of hoping that they become, <laughs> <laughs> hoping but not planning for them to become yeah. kind of iconic and so you can continue with a different business model. Anyway, you must go. David, I think you particularly would love it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, and actually, that's very similar to what happened in retail, right? Like the pop-up yeah, shop it's a, it's concept, a pop-up, like pop-up, pop-up, pop-up shop. Yeah, do well. Amazing get, immersive experience yeah. in the live and then... Or restaurants as well, right? Yeah. Get, a, get, you get a good review, maybe a star or something, and then you can, you know, make it a restaurant. Um Yes, indeed. Uh, best turnaround. Best turnaround story of the year. Ah, this is a difficult category, this, but I think there can only be one. And that is the turnaround in attitude and approach displayed by Jay Monaghan, yes. the commissioner of the PGA Tour, in his relationship uh, and dealings with uh, the Live Golf Tour, the Saudi-backed breakaway tour, uh, which was has been, I think, if not uh, the biggest, then certainly up there as the biggest sports industry story of the year. This, you know, the wider Saudi play in sport, which we talked about at length, um, but in particular, what is going on in golf, which is no clearer really uh, this week than it was when we discussed it last week. Uh, but after all the comments from Jay Monahan distancing the PGA Tour from Live and the prospect of Live and... Uh, 
by essentially uh, ostracizing players who went to play on the live tour early on uh, to a strategic framework still under negotiation um it's a new attitude of gratitude isn't it quite extraordinary turnaround Mm. actually yeah well, money talks and uh, Jay listens, it seems. Um, best hype person of the year, man or woman? Or, or, or event. Well, I don't, I don't usually count event as a person, but uh, <laughs> perhaps you're a little bit more liberal-minded. Okay, than I'm going to uh, throw somebody into the mix who I actually think um, has been hyped by a lot of people, not necessarily Uh, by himself and that's Kenny Anand Jonathan who's the creative director newly installed as creative director of Crystal Palace he was appointed in August uh, in with a remit to reimagine what the club does not just from a fashion standpoint but from a sort of cultural uh, standpoint in South London where the club is based and there have been an outsized number of articles uh pieces comments about him and what he's going to do there best hype person laura so i thought of a leader's hype person i was trying to think who who's a good hype like a person. leader's cheerleader yeah i've got two got two one leader's cheerleader and then a hype person in the industry okay leaders one i've gone for james swanson at arsenal um who is shortly moving to the rugby world cup Okay. To, uh, That's bad news for Javan and his uh, Arsenal stream love. of Arsenal tickets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but good for if he's interested in going to the Rugby World Cup. Um, no, but I think James is someone who, like, we always look for people at leaders who really engage with what we do. And he is that, he's that person. He comes along, he shows up, he contributes. He's a good advocate, but he also, I think, genuinely takes value from, from leaders. Um, so we need, we need more James Hype people. Sam Jeffrey. Do you know what? I was just yeah, thinking yeah, that yeah, if yeah. I was, if I had a second, Sam Jeffrey from Norwich. Um, great man. Yeah. Um, done two and deals on the back of our events this year. Apparently so. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's, yeah, those two would be my leaders hype people. The, Industry hype person I thought of was Lewis Wiltshire at IMG Digital. Digital IMG, IMG, yes. yeah, yeah, it's IMG, all, all IMG now, isn't it? Yeah. Um, big rebrand, but I think particularly on LinkedIn, he is a great hype man for his team, for the work they do, but for also generally sharing digital knowledge and trends across the industry. So I think he is an excellent hype man. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I always pause when I'm scrolling through LinkedIn. He's a thumb stopper, isn't he? He's a thumb stopper. Yes. Yeah. Um, No, good choices. Um, James, do you have a hype person? Um, Do you know what, David? I was thrown by your hype event uh, idea. So um, I'm going to throw an event in there. Hexagon Cup. I'm hearing a lot about this Hexagon Cup at the moment. It's a new paddle tournament competition by all accounts. Um, And there are a lot of accounts um, tweeting about it, etc. I'm also going to throw, we've mentioned her already, but Victoire Cogavina Reynal into the mix. I know you guys interviewed her for our Leaders in Focus uh, a couple of months ago. She's obviously fantastic and an amazing storyteller in her own right. Um, but it seems to me that the the coverage of Mercury 13 and its mission has maybe been outsized compared to what Mercury 13 has actually done as, mm. as of yet. Maybe that would have been different had the Lewis. Uh, the proposed Lewis investment ended uh, positively. But yes, I think she's a she's a fantastic spokesperson for her own mission and goals, I would say. 
which I think is really interesting because if you t- if you hear people talking about women's sport and where's you know what the opportunities you hear people start talking about it as if it's a startup and what they the people who are in that space really want people to start thinking of it as a startup versus a mature sport or a mature business um, and the way that Victoire speaks she speaks like the founder of a startup you know like ultimately what have you got at that stage you've got a vision, a mission, a purpose, and it is all about buying people into that vision, mission, purpose. So I think the way she approaches it is very much with the mindset of a founder of a startup, and that comes through. So yeah, I agree yeah. with that one. Let's rattle few through a few of these because, um, well, Laura's got to go. So uh, well, but- let me let me throw one at you, James. Okay. What about best headhunter? Because I know this is something that you do. You know what? I become keep, f- this I- is your specialist. Oh, I'm going to have. I've got a view on this. I've become fascinated by the headhunting industry. Is in, there a reason for that? Have you got sports. something to tell us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is this the way we find out? Do you know what they they without exception headhunters in the sports industry? I'm sure this is probably true of other industries. Have they always choose good restaurants? That's they're, they're always good for a good place to go for lunch. So who has been wi- to, who's been whining you know and dining <laughs> you? This yeah, year? this is going to be incredibly telling. Do you know what? I'm it? fascinated by how Nolan Partners are getting on um, under new kind of ownership at yes. Excel. I think that's an, a really interesting model. This sort of larger agency housing a smaller boutique kind of headhunting practice. Yeah. Interested to see how that continues and whether that's a model for other headhunters to look into. Uh want to shout out George Williams, who I think who's just changed roles this year, but he's very active in the sports space. I think he's one of the most creative search executives working in sport at the moment. He's the chap who placed Dan Rossamondo, who used to run sponsorship at the NBA. He's the chap who placed him as the new MD or CEO at MotoGP, um, which I think is a very mm. creative approach to, um, you know, uh, revivifying a very European um, but global sports entity. Asher Simmons, also fantastic. I mean, a, a great lunch man. Um, but <laughs> Are these people <laughs> hiring content media people? No, not at all. But they're hiring, you know, people in our network all the time, Laura. It's absolutely Legit. a valid a valid stream of lunches. Just a message from me to any headhunters who might be in contact with James. We've got very, very similar skill sets. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um, best deal maker. Who wants to go on deal maker? I've got a few for this one. David. Yeah, I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to suggest that either one of, or indeed both, of Yath Gangakumaran uh, and Jonathan Licht at Sky Sports are worthy of this gong. And I was, uh, we've obviously had in the last couple of weeks, uh, confirmation of the new Premier League TV rights deal, you know, a massive deal, always a sort of bellwether for the the industry. And obviously Sky, I think it's pretty much acknowledged the big winners coming out of that process uh, this time, taking all but one of the packages, uh, more games, uh, lower cost per game, and uh, obviously football, the Premier League, uh, an absolutely 
fundamental part of the Sky Group business model, yeah. really, over now. But they've well, also got everything three for decades. Echo, right? They've also got, and I was actually, I've, I've made some notes, okay. because I think they might have a better sports rights portfolio than they've ever had before. So bear in mind that Being Sports is the acknowledged global leader in sports broadcasting. They have rights to almost everything, almost everywhere. Almost. Apart from the UK and the US. Yeah. Uh, so what have Sky got? So this is Sky UK. Yeah. For, you know, not, not talking about Germany or Italy uh, here. But uh, aside from the Premier League, uh, F1 tied up until uh, 2029. Yeah. Uh, EFL, 1,000 matches per season, new deal for five years yeah. from next season. Uh, all ECB cricket until 2028. All international cricket in the UK until 2031. All men's and women's golf, essentially. All the majors, the Ryder Cup, the Solheim Cup. Uh, New Deal, ATP and WTA rights for the next five years. The US Open tennis until 2028. The WSL deal that we've already sort of briefly touched on. Uh, Rugby league, a big new Super League deal. Every match live deal um, brokered with IMG. The Lions tour next year. NFL, the darts is on at the moment. It's a it's a genuinely sort of phenomenal roster. It's difficult not to have Sky, isn't it? And it's... I think a real sign that Sky, which is now, you know, was once seen as the upstart, the challenger, then has has sort of now reached venerable status in the sports broadcast space. Uh, But the the model, the satellite TV, the pay TV model, very resilient, despite all the noise, everything we hear about streaming services. And of course, Sky has adapted and they've added streaming elements to their portfolio and personalizing the the coverage uh, and, and all of those things. But I think it's a really impressive portfolio now. And uh, so, yeah, my vote goes to Jonathan Licht and or Yath Ganga Kamaram. Yath's doing himself out of a job there, surely. You know, if you tie all of your deals down to 2030-ish, it's not, it doesn't have anything to negotiate for, you know, at least four years. Well, do you remember, do you, yeah, do you remember this is what we said about Major League Soccer when they did the, the deal with Apple? We'll just fire all their execs <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's no, but different... then they can focus on the product. Um, one that I'll throw in, Wasman. They've been on quite the Do you acquisition. Know what? Quietly, Casey's on a street, Casey Wasserman, I'm going to throw in. Um, obviously, the CSM acquisition, but there's been a number of them, mm. um, and I think they're making a play to be that you know mega agency that dominates. Um, yeah, I completely agree. We've seen some major acquisitions in the sports industry this year. IMG and uh, W, uh, sorry, Endeavor, WWE, UFC coming together in a new entity. The PFL's taken on. Saudi um, money, but the the Wasserman CSM deal not really talked about that much. Well, it's not rubber stamped yet, I don't think. I uh, know it's done. It oh, it's is. Done. It it's is. Done. Yeah, and yeah, integration yeah. is happening, but it's happened almost in sports industry terms by stealth, and it's huge. It's absolutely mm. huge, and gives Wasserman an enormous footprint in Europe. In the Middle, Middle East. East, yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's a it's a big move, and coming after a number of other, um, albeit slightly smaller acquisitions that Wasserman have made over the past two or three years as well. Yeah, Casey Wasserman is uh, following the Paris Olympics uh, um, coming up in just under a year's time. He's going to be the busiest man in the sports industry, isn't he? Come and talk about it at Leaders Week London in October, Casey. You know He's on should. my list. Yeah. We'll get on the phone to our partners. Blooming should. Um, another one that you didn't mention, though, David, another massive deal that, at least in UK terms, has kind of gone under the radar. I know it's covered in the US, but Josh Harris, who we had speak mm-hmm. at Leaders last year, the new owner of the Washington Commanders NFL team, the most 
expensive franchise transaction in sport ever. Uh, $6 billion, um, that franchise worth. Josh Harris, the new owner there. The one that didn't happen, of course, Manchester United, despite all the talk, probably more headlines written about that. Still goes on. It still goes on at the time of recording. Such a weird one, that one. Should we do um, ones to watch? Yes, go for it. I've got one. Yeah, go on then. Um, Nikki Duchet slash Doucette. Um, I need to... Nikki D. (laughs) Nikki D, yeah. Yeah. Uh, WSL, um, obviously now independent UCO, been formed, been approved by the clubs, which is a big moment. And I have to say, everyone I speak to that has met or spoken with Nikki thinks that she is the woman for the job in terms of the way she's approaching it, the way she thinks about it. She's very understated, I would say, as a character. She's not a sort of self-promoting CEO. She's... um, absolutely committed to the job in hand with a long-term view so i think if you want someone leading that new co for wsl she is the woman for the job fantastic background as well sort of Mm. exactly the sort of person that you want to be leading a a new entity in sport with both finance and sports marketing Mm -hmm. and obviously management leadership in there um so a good one to watch david you got anyone you're keeping an eye on Yes, I think we should keep an eye on Marina Storti, who is still in her first year as the CEO of WTA Ventures, which is the new commercial marketing media offshoot of the WTA tour. Uh, So she arrived in May. Uh, She was the managing director of Now TV, the Sky lower cost, lower entry point streaming service. And she has, uh, it's obviously under... We talked about CVC earlier, and they, of course, have invested in WTA uh, Ventures. And I think Marina is already putting in place a lot of building blocks uh, there. A new executive team is being uh, formed. They're in the market for a a new CEO of the tour itself, uh, with Steve Simon moving into an executive chair position once that position is uh, found. Um, But she's got a key role. There's a real job to be done. There's so much potential in women's tennis. There's obviously a lot of talk about, again, potential future partnership, merger, collaboration, formalising of a relationship with the ATP Tour on the men's side. We'll see what becomes of that. Tennis, again, one of these sports that is fractured and there's all sorts of power brokers and stakeholders involved and with influence and with a say, but with a really solid media rights background or media background i think marina is going to be an interesting person to keep an eye on this year um best comms person in sport this is one this is quite a niche one but we obviously deal with a lot of comms people uh in what we do um it's the same same as it is for the last five or six years lara toscani weems always every year yeah not much competition there um for ltw expecting big things from uh lauren lamkin this year um she is relatively new uh, relatively new in the job at the lakers also looking out for uh, toby craig to make some moves at Chelsea. Should we do the big one? Best best ever leader. 20- <laughs> Bold statement. <laughs> um yeah, the the big the big gong, leader of the year. Leader's leader. Best leader, who have we got? I David. Mean- Thank you. Oh no. Sorry. Oh, right. um, Sorry, yes. The I'm going to give my vote to Juliet Slot. Okay, the who- chief commercial officer at Arsenal. Correct. Okay. And uh, a couple of reasons for this. Um, Juliet was with us in Abu Dhabi, and I think it was just before 
the big renewal with Emirates. Mm, was signed, she was which, in the middle of the negotiation with Boutros. Which for Arsenal is, of course, very much the big one. Stadium naming rights, front of shirt deal. It's often an ordeal, I think. Yeah. Everyone. And so, I, that you know, if you're ticking off milestones for the year, that's a pretty good one if you're the chief commercial officer at Arsenal. But yep. I think primarily the reason I think she is good for this award is I've rarely seen a speaker at a leaders event sort of received the the amount of sort of respect and almost awe that mm. Juliet Slot did when she came to Leaders Week and did a had a really fantastic uh, session specifically on women's football the development of Arsenal's women's football operation on the pitch off the pitch but women's football in general and a lot of the things we've talked about in terms of the women's super league the newco and uh it was ex- it was you know it was incredible to see the sort of r- respect in which she was held and i think we've seen a number of records broken by arsenal for the women's team for attendances over the course of the year uh, progress seems to be being made in all areas in terms of developing that out. I know that she's a, a real sort of um, driving force for that within the club. So, yeah, I'm going to give my vote to Juliet Slot. I think she works very well with Vin Ivan Kotesham, the CEO at Arsenal as well. They seem to have formed a very good relationship relatively quickly Juliet Slot's uh, not exactly new but she hasn't been in the job too long and and she would absolutely be the first to say that it's a huge team effort of course but every team needs a leader true that and you are our leader Laura so who are you, who are you choosing <laughs> as leader of the year um, I was I was thinking about that it's tough I the one that came to mind is Mark Bullingham because it's a tough job I think that's the you know that is I don't think to be the CEO of the FA is an easy ride he's had a lot thrown at him there's a lot been going on but quietly in terms of achievements of uh, from what i hear a lot of the stuff going on the grassroots um manny from the team is on our diversity board and some of the metrics behind the scenes of the team makeup at the fa and how that's shifting over time so although it's not a big shiny new team or club i think for me that is a that's an admirable job and he as a leader and the behaviors that he represents for me is something to admire so i'm, I'm going mark Bullingham. Mm. He's maybe not the most, or he maybe wasn't the most obvious sort of person for that job when he took mm. it on, but he's really grown into it, I think, and it's it's definitely evident the respect in which he's held across across the UK sports industry, um, certainly, and and the wider football landscape. One for me. Uh, it's maybe an obvious one, but um, we talked about Casey Wasserman only, uh, earlier. He's pretty much going head to head with the other big agency beast um, based out of LA, and that's Ari Emanuel. And I would say that he's probably, that Ari Emanuel's probably got the upper hand this year. I think the WWE deal to form TKO, uh, this sort of WWE and UFC um, merger is a masterstroke for a man who is maybe taking the company private again. So the rumours mm. are with the intention of selling it and having his payday, uh, having a another payday. The the kind of WWE and UFC together has so much potential. We don't know. Industry commentators don't know yet what that's going to look like. But since the UFC has been in Endeavour ownership since 2016, 
the enterprise value has risen from $4 billion to $12 billion. So on a spreadsheet um, for a company that uh, is potentially going to get sold, that looks fantastic. And there's a really interesting thing to watch, I think, in combat sports uh, next year. You have TKO, which, as you say, WWE and UFC Endeavor backed up against a new competitor if you like in professional fighters league and bellator who have recently merged one championship backed your man, by, backed your man by yath, saudi your man yath has signed gone and he's then, on a spending spree he's and, brought one as well yeah and as you say one championship coming out of asia um i think combat sports are an, is a is an interesting battleground next year from a business standpoint as you've got these three organizations all with slightly different approaches and setups uh you have got uh You've got a big old fight there coming, I think. And I think that is the end of um, definitely not the real Leaders Awards <laughs> for 2023. Laura, you're currently 13 minutes over the time that you said that you had um, for us. So thanks for staying. You're, not, like allowed a... to, you're not allowed to go yet oh, okay, uh, sorry, because sorry. we're into the final section, which is the recommendation section. Okay. Anything that you've been reading, watching, going oh. to, looking at um, that. Uh, Does this made... need, to, need to be industry specific? No, not really. Not necessarily. Okay. Okay. Because my head went immediately to Abba Voyage. Oh, did you go? I went to Abba Voyage. Was yeah. it good? It was actually brilliant. It was a bit overcrowded on the dance floor, but the actual production yeah. is incredible i mean incredible they bring abba they sort of the their holograms they're they're holograms but they do genuinely look like people it's incredible and so i would highly recommend that and where is that where is that playing um it's by the olympic stadium near stratford it's yeah it's it's not far from um it's pudding mill lane but it's definitely as a production and kind of inspiration for entertainment experiences yeah highly recommend it yeah. James? Uh, I have been dipping into the old Uncensored CMO podcast. You might like this. Yeah, episode. I like that one. Yeah. And uh, a recent episode that I really enjoyed with Just Eat VP of brand, Suze O'Brien. Um, so Just Eat is the, take, you know, the orange takeaway service. And I thought she was really good on working with talent and giving talent the freedom to express themselves creatively. Mm-hmm. Just Eat has had a fantastic set of campaigns with the likes of Snoop Dogg, various other Katy Perry, various other musicians. So she's really good on sort of getting talent bought into whatever it is that you want to do and then giving them the freedom of expression to make it their own. But also really good on this idea of sort of creative work being kind of Marmite, you know, being like it is okay to alienate some people if what you're doing is bringing joy to some other mm. people, because then you can sort of recognise that in future work. Like, we know that you probably got really annoyed with that, so how about something else? But I thought she was really good and a good example of a senior marketer who isn't sort of afraid of taking risks. Uh, so it was excellent. David, anything from you? I actually watched a sports documentary. No way. James, you, I keep, know. You, you keep talking about how you're really bored of sports documentaries well, I am. and then you just keep watching them. Which one? Uh, well, I watched the Ronnie O'Sullivan. Uh, oh, apparently it's brilliant. It, I haven't it seen it. It is but. genuinely brilliant. Uh, and it's brilliant because it's very much not the same uh, format mm-hmm. as many sports documentaries. It's everything people said it was. It's raw. It's unflinching. It's a little bit uncomfortable to watch in places. Um, it's... It's quite mundane, actually, the life of a traveling snooker player, even somebody at Ronnie O'Sullivan's level. A lot of sort of hanging about in 
in sort of mid-market holiday resort hotels in Wales uh, waiting to play. But yeah, it's definitely worth a watch uh, if you've got a bit of time over the holidays. I believe it's on Prime Video. We are approaching that time of year. We're in that time of year where trends, trends, trends reports start dropping. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So maybe next... Already reading some. (laughs) Maybe next time. I will say, I do think IMG slash the the prior seven league digital trends report is always worth a read. Um, But... We are maybe that's the next. We're knee episode. deep in we're knee deep in trends reports at the moment. The contagious report contagious is always good. good. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I've been reading a couple of the sort of bigger. The Deloitte one was good. Yes, the but the bigger, wider sort of global you trend like reports. A helicopter view. I, I, lo- I yeah. love a helicopter view. Yeah, yeah. Me too. and it's interesting how many of those. You know, they always put a sports trend in there. Yeah, and it is women's sport. The rise of women's sport this year. So that trend has very much gone mainstream. Mm. Do you remember when we were talking about? Um, uh, do you know what? I can't even remember what they're called. <laughs> what are you like talking those about? Tokens. What NFTs? NFTs. NFTs. <laughs> so like two years ago. Life comes at you quick. It really does, doesn't it? Yeah. Do you think there'll be a trends report that doesn't have AI in it? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> how many? How many trends reports do you think will do the thing where they do their thing on AI and then at the end say this was actually written by AI? <laughs> AI, yeah. Most, most like of, like this them, podcast, most of them. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's wrap it up there. Um, oh, can I just say one? Go. Thing? Yes. Can I just say one thing? Because I think this is the final podcast of the year. Yeah. No, we're back on Boxing Day, David. <laughs> <laughs> We're not. Um, but on Thursday, the f- I'm going to say Thursday, the 4th of January, we have our next edition of Leaders in Focus, uh, which is an interview that you and I did, Laura, with um, Katie Sadler, the Chief Executive of the Commonwealth Games Federation. It will be on this podcast feed. It will be on our YouTube channel. It will be on the website as well. Um, a really fascinating conversation with a really fascinating executive uh, who has had a challenging 12 months. Um headlined by uh, the state of Victoria's withdrawal as host of the 2026 Commonwealth Games. Uh, But she's really good on the plan as it stands uh, for the future of the Commonwealth Games, uh, what that might look like, multi-sport event models in general and how they evolve. So uh, well worth looking out for. Yes, indeed. And love and solidarity to all the sports industry folk working across uh, the Christmas, well, what everyone else is calling the Christmas break. Um, Lots of sports going on and see you in the new year. Ta-ra. See you in 2024. Goodbye.